0: We have this set of readings only once every three years. The other two Sundays deal with Mary and the like on the last Sunday of Advent. But this one we hear about uh, not how Jesus enters Mary's womb, but rather what Joseph is doing on his end of things with regards to the coming, the incarnation of Jesus and ultimately the coming birth of our Lord. So backing up a little bit, some of you already know some of these things, but I need to give some catechesis for some background. For the Jewish marriage process 2,000 years ago, the way it worked was you would be betrothed, uh, a man and woman would be betrothed before a rabbi, and betrothal was marriage. So the marriage rite took, or the wedding rite took two forms, first a betrothal, Then you'd live apart for a year, and then after that, the two of you would come back together again in front of the rabbi, and he would say some more prayers and complete the rite, and then you'd have the wedding feast at Cana, kind of thing. So when Joseph finds out that Mary's pregnant, because Mary has told him, I'm pregnant, they're already married. They're not engaged. We hear that word betrothal, and we think engagement. But the tip-off for us is when he decides to divorce her quietly. The use of the word divorce is very intentional because they're already married. So what happens here is we would, on a normal human being level of reading this scripture passage, we would think that well, then Joseph just assumes that Mary has slept with somebody, which of course Mary is a virgin, she hasn't slept with anybody. We would assume that and that's why Joseph is thinking, should I out her publicly, you know, as an adulteress? A person, Or should I take the high road and quietly divorce her and slink away sort of thing? The reality is that Joseph knows that she is the virgin mother of the Messiah. Joseph knows exactly who the Blessed Virgin Mary is. The Blessed Virgin Mary is the greatest of all of God's creation. She's greater than the Archangel Michael. She's greater than Lucifer before the fall. She is the greatest creature God has ever created. Joseph is not ignorant of who his wife is. Their marriage was divinely arranged. It wasn't two kind of hapless people just kind of stumbled on each other, not by a long shot. They were destined from their creation to enter into this chaste marriage. Joseph understands who she is. He understands she's the virgin from Isaiah's prophecies of what we heard about in our first reading today. And everyone, all of the Jews, know all of the stories of the Old Testament. They have no television set. They've never seen a movie or a TV show. They have no internet, no radio, etc. Well, what did they do with their time? They plied through Old Testament stories. They knew the Old Testament stories in and out. Daniel and the lion and Joseph and the multicolored coat. And they knew all the stories, Adam and Eve, and all of them. He knew the story of the virgin giving birth to the Messiah. And he knew she's the one. And he knew that when he married her. So when Joseph is upset and hearing she's pregnant, he's upset thinking, okay, God's doing his thing. He's doing his thing with the virgin. hes I, I don't want to get in the way. I don't want to mess this thing up. And so that's his struggle. What do I do? What, what am I supposed to do? I, I'm a carpenter, you know, I might not have even been able to read and write. What do I do? What do I do? And this is where the angel comes to him in the dream and says stay with her and take her now into your home kind of thing. By the way, if he does divorce her, then everyone in Nazareth will believe just naturally enough that he got his wife pregnant and abandoned her and the child. Everyone in Nazareth would think that Joseph is a terrible man. But that's what he would do Because that's what a righteous man would do. In the Old Testament, the word for saint is righteous person. The man is a saint. He is a saint. Always going to take the high road and do the right thing. He'll divorce her quietly if that's what God wants. and Let everyone in the village throw stones at him on his way out. But that's not what happens. The angel says, no, no, no. Take her now to her home. This is part of God's plan. Everything will work itself out. And so he waits and he does. And so instead of waiting the whole year as you normally would, he just simply goes to the rabbi and says, we got to speed things up, all right? And this happens. Okay. I'll tell you a little story. Years ago, I was reading through... I was fortunate enough that on my dad's side of the family, there's a clear genealogical line of so-and-so married so-and-so, and they had these kids, and so-and-so. It goes back to basically when they got off the boat uh, from Germany and whatnot. Anyway, it's interesting to see that in about every 10 to 20 marriages that the first baby is born before nine months have passed. All right, So you can tell, like, okay, I see what's happening here. This happens 2,000 years ago with the rabbis too. So Joseph just simply approaches the rabbi and says, we've got to speed things up, we've got a baby on the way now. So then they, they move that year-long wait to now. And they complete the second part of the marriage ritual, and now they live together. This is the dynamic. For us, looking at this, we'd say, oh, well, Joseph was visited by an angel. Isn't that neat? I, you know, it wouldn't be great if I were visited by an angel and told what to do. I got all these, you know, things in my life that I wonder about, you know, like, why, what is my mission? What is my purpose? Why am I here? What am I supposed to do? Wouldn't it be nice if an angel came to me and told me? Well, you wouldn't like that. Whenever the angels come, it's always super challenging. It's always super challenging. And an angel will come later to Joseph after Jesus is born and say, Joseph, you have to get up now. Get the donkey, get the wife, fly to Egypt. Joseph wouldn't know how to speak Egyptian. How do I get from here to Egypt? I don't know any of those roads. There are robbers and there's no police. There's nothing along the way. What's going to protect us? When I get to Egypt, how am I going to, to water, feed, and, and house my little family? So this gets to this. That for St. Joseph, what he has is faith. He doesn't possess understanding. He doesn't understand how the mysteries of God are going to unfold here. What he knows is, in this moment, this is my responsibility. And I don't know how things are going to work out, but I know this is what God wants of me right now. And he knows that because of his faith, which is more powerful than understanding. The fallen angels, Satan and all of the demons, have more understanding and knowledge than all of us combined. They burn in sulfur for eternity because they have no faith. Faith trumps understanding. And when we have faith, then the understanding begins to follow. All right. Now, I'm going to be your guardian angel right now, and I'm going to tell you what your life's purpose is. Be a saint. That's what God wants of every one of us. Careers and who to marry and what's going on in our family or with this person or that or with my health or whatever. This one thing trumps everything. The Lord wants me and you to be a saint. What does that look like? What does that look like? Or for Joseph, it's trust blindly, Joseph. Trust blindly. And Joseph would say, but I can't even provide for my family. I'm a carpenter amongst a village of 100 people, and there's like five other carpenters, and they're all established, and nobody wants to pay me to build chairs for them. I mean, this is ridiculous. I, how am I supposed to make this work? Faith. The Lord wants all of us to be saints. What does that look like? We'd like to think that it's an angel comes and visits us. And he is through me right now. And this is what the angel wants to say. I need you to watch less television. If you can, just get rid of the TV set. It's not helping anything. It doesn't help anything. It creates a lot of problems. Makes everyone think that God doesn't exist and that leads us into immoral stuff and it's poison for children, etc. Alright, that's challenging, isn't it? It takes faith. The other is instead of looking at your smartphone 40 times a day, which is the American average, look at it just five. Just five. Isn't five enough in the morning, a couple times during the day, before you go to bed at night? Isn't that enough? Why 40? Instead of, I don't know, whatever we're doing with our time, which I probably just addressed 90% of it, to have prayer every day. Meaningful prayer. Not what's left over if i got time left over, if I think about it, but meaningful prayer. We would never skip a meal in a day. We would not think of not showing up at work and losing our job. To put prayer on that kind of a level where every day I'm going to pray. Because... Thy first fruits, the best of me, belongs to God. Not what's left over, but the best of me belongs to God. So no matter what, he's going to get this five minutes every day. Or maybe it's 15, or whatever you can handle right now. And then spiritual reading. Think of all the hours of television, or the radio in the car, or the internet on your phone, or in front of a computer monitor. The hours per day... And how, for the vast majority of us, there is exactly zero spiritual reading. We're taking in hours of day of the world, which is all passing away, and zero of eternity. Here are some things, too. If you're a man, you're married, own the religious responsibility of your family, like St. Joseph. Lead. 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 Don't let your wife lead. You lead. Don't have her ask you if we can pray a rosary. You say to her, Honey, I want to pray the rosary every night for the rest of our lives. Sweetheart, I'm going to make sure we all get to Mass on time every time. I'm not going to put it on you to make sure the kids get ready. I'm going to get up early on Sundays. I'm going to make sure we're all ready. And we're going to be here early enough to pray the rosary. Because that's the stuff that gets us to heaven. I'm going to lead. I'm going to lead. And wives, support and encourage your husbands. Tearing him down doesn't help anything. Nothing. Build him up. Blessed Virgin Mary was immaculate. What that means is that at her creation, she possessed what Adam and Eve had before the fall. That means she possessed a greater natural knowledge, no sin and immortality. She was with a mere mortal for a husband. She could have badgered him and tore him down all day long. I bet never in the course of their life together did she she ever tear him down. I bet she tried to build him up every chance she could get. Be that for your husband, and your husband will become a very good man. All of us are called to be a saint. To be a saint. And it's a day-in and day-out challenge. It's not a one-off angel visit me one night and presto, it's over. It's a day-in and day-out challenge to be that. But that's God's will in our life. It's to be a saint. It doesn't mean flying to Egypt or, you know, I need to go somewhere else to do that. No, it's right where I'm at. Be a saint. That's the call. That's the call. And if you do that then I promise you the Lord will come. The Lord will come. For every one step I take toward the Lord, he'll take a thousand toward me. And we'll keep doing this until we're united eternally in the kingdom. But even in this life, he will make sure that we know that he's with us. And he'll guide us through the ins and outs and the doubts and the the loss of control and the fear and the suffering. And he'll take us to the promised land. And he'll take us and our loved ones with us. So hear the angel tell you today. Joseph, Mary, Catherine, Teresa, Jim, Stephen, John. The Lord wants you to be a saint. Be a saint.